My name is Morgan. We are starting our Advent series this week, looking at how God is faithful in hope. The young child says, one day I hope to be an astronaut. The single person who's unhappy in their singleness might say, I hope to one day be married. The lonely person might say, I hope to get new friends soon. The adventurous person might say, I hope to travel the world. There are things that each of us hope for. We are beginning our Advent series, Faithful, and we're, this morning we'll be looking at the theme of hope how God is faithful in hope. God is faithful to us in hope. And in light of how God is faithful to us in hope, we want to have faith to the full, a growing faith, an expanding faith. Over the last several months, we have looked at God's character uh, in our series, God Is. And we looked at the different attributes of God. And if you'll remember, faithfulness was one of the attributes. Pastor Steve preached on God's faithfulness about a month ago, and we looked at the story of Hosea and Gomer, where Hosea was called to go to his wife even though she was uh, being in love with other lovers. And God says, that is like me towards the Israelites. I pursue my people even though they turn away. So this morning, we're going to look at how God is faithful to us in hope. And I really hope that we would walk out of here this morning having hope today. Having hope today. Psalm 33, verse 4, says this, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. God is faithful in all that he is and all that he does. And we're going to hone in this morning on how God is faithful to us in the area of hope. So what is hope? Um, I looked up on, you know, dictionary.com and different things, definition of hope, and I I wasn't really pleased with what I saw. So I decided to come up with my own definition that I think better nuances out some of the, um, yeah, just better nuances out. Um, So if you don't like my definition of hope, um, you can email D-O-N-N-Y at csgreeley.org. And, you know, might be slow to respond. (laughs) Just kidding. That's not how you find me. Um, But, uh, yeah. um, But we'll be tweaking the definition as we go. So if you don't like it to start, um, just, just hold. Hold on. Hold on. But, but hopefully it, it better nuances out what, what I think the idea of hope 
gets at. Um, so here we go. What is hope? Hope is looking ahead, seeing the possibility of a brighter future than the present, desiring it, and having that affect your today. So if you're taking notes, the four aspects that I want you to hone in on there are hope is looking ahead, it's seeing the possibility of a brighter future than the present, desiring that brighter future, and then letting that affect your today. Is that all right? Do we, can we start there? Is that, is that a good place? All right, so hope, hope, is, hope is oriented towards something in the future. Hope is oriented around something in the future, but hope affects the now. Hope affects today. G.K. Chesterton said this, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Hope happens not because things are great now, but hope happens in spite of the struggle of today because hope is oriented towards a different future reality or possibility. It's based on the possibility of a future when things are better. Hope in Christ can happen whether the market's high or low or whether it never turns around. Hope is oriented towards a brighter future, a better future. Hope in Christ can happen in the midst of pain, suffering, diagnosis, because hope is oriented towards the promise of a brighter future with Christ. Hope changes today. Hope changes the now. Hope in a brighter future will affect your today. Let's put our shoes in Let's put our shoes. Let's put ourselves in the shoes <laughs> of a high school junior who's looking at colleges. And let's say that this high school student wants to get into Harvard. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but let's say that a recruiter reaches out and says, hey, we're really impressed with your SAT scores. We're really impressed with your extracurricular activities, and we like your GPA. Maybe just try to tweak your GPA a couple percentage points, but we like what we see. I think you might have a real shot of getting in. Now there's the possibility of this brighter future that's desired for the student. How do you think that student is going to walk into school the next day? They're going to walk in with hope with confidence, with a desire to perform, a desire to excel. Why? Because they see the possibility of this brighter future and that affects the now. Paul, uh, in his letter to the Christians in Philippi, when he was writing the letter, he was in prison. And Paul said this in Philippians 1, 20 and 21. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, 
but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Whether I live or die, I belong to Christ. So Paul is writing this from prison, but we don't hear hopelessness in his words, right? It's like, whether I live or die, I belong to Jesus. I am oriented towards a better future. And he says in that same chapter that if I die, it's gain. Why? Because that future reality will be in front of me. Paul is oriented around a brighter future, a better hope, and that affects his attitude. It affects his life as he is sitting in the prison cell. It affects being oriented around a future hope, affects the now. Hebrews 10.23 says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Because he who promised is faithful, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. We hold unswervingly to Christ. This brighter future is not based on your performance or your feelings, but on the one who is faithful. He is the one who holds us and has promised us this brighter future. He who promised is faithful, so hold tight to that hope. Several years ago, I did a Spartan race, which is an obstacle course race. Uh, it's about five miles long, and in the course of the race, there's about 20 or so obstacles. One of which was, you guys know five-gallon buckets? So you had to fill the bucket with, to the brim with rocks and then carry it uh, anywhere from 200 to 400 meters, however the course was set up. So half a lap around the track or um, a full lap. Um, but it, it was up and down hills. And so the first year that I did it, filled that five-gallon bucket up, which is about as big as I am, <laughs> and I'm able to get it up and, you know, I'm, I'm walking as far as I can and then I set it down, take a break, then pick it back up and walk a few more steps. And I, I look around and that's what everyone's doing. Everyone similar to me is just like, you just set it down, take a break, you pick it back up. Uh, me and my friend did a Spartan race. So I miraculously got through that. But then the next year, uh, we decided that we wanted to do a Spartan race again. And in, in that year, one of the things that I did is I researched, um, how, how do you do this well? Because <laughs> this was a, like a staple in all of the Spartan races. And like, I, I gotta, there's got to be a better way than the way I did it. And what the video said is, Whatever you do, do not put the bucket down. <laughs> Said, that's curious. That sounds kind of hard. <laughs> but but what, what, it, they, they, what the video continued to explain was that whenever you set the bucket down, you are wasting so much more energy 
to have to pick it back up than if you just would have carried it. So every time you set it down, it actually takes more effort, more energy to pick it back up. So the advice was hold on at all cost. Do not let it go. And so this next year, got to the bucket station, filled my bucket full of rocks. And what they said is, you can change your grip all you want. You can take a break, but don't let go of it. And that's what I did. Everyone else still was doing the same thing of dropping it, putting it down. But I reminded myself, every time I put it down, it's wasted energy. So I held on to it as hard as I could, my grip, and just walked. Then I, when I needed to, I would change my grip. Hold, hold, hold. Don't let your grip go. So I feel like that verse is getting at. Hold on to Jesus. Don't let your grip go. Sometimes it is going to seem easier to just set the bucket down. Hold tight to the one who is faithful. Hold tight to the hope of Christ. I'm going to go through some different verses now. Psalm 33, 22 says this, May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Your love is on us and with us. When we hope in him, we will never be disappointed, for we can trust the one who is faithful. Psalm 39, verse 7 says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. So as we look ahead to this brighter hope, this brighter future, what is it we look for? It is you, God, that we look for. This brighter future is you. Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We have a future hope, and that affects our lives now. That changes our strength to face today, even if you feel like you have nothing left to give. We look towards the hope of Christ that affects our now and will regain that strength. Our strength will be renewed. John 4, in John chapter 4, Jesus has encountered a Samaritan woman who was ostracized from her community, and they meet at a well. They discuss, and then it moves toward, they discuss water, but it moves then towards spiritual things. And in John 4, 25, it says this, the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am he, the one you are hoping for. She says, I know that one day the Messiah will come. She is oriented towards a future hope. But what does Jesus say? 
I am right in front of you. The one you are looking for is me. This future hope is here now. It's here in front of you. Hope is oriented towards the future, but it should affect the now. But Jesus says, this future hope that you are looking for, says to the woman, I am here now. Hope has already arrived in Jesus Christ. So we started out with this definition. Hope is looking ahead, seeing the possibility of a brighter future than the present, desiring it, and letting that affect your today. When I first moved to Colorado a couple years ago, um, I did seemingly what most people when they move to Colorado want to do, hike a 14er. Uh, so I went to the mountains and hiked 14er, and the first one I climbed, I could literally not see the hand in front of my face. It was so cloudy when I got up to the top. So this illustration comes from the next, the second 14er that I climbed, and albeit the last one that I have climbed. <laughs> um, so I hiked Quandry Peak um, and got up to the top, and it was around this time of year, a couple years ago, and got up to the top, and there wasn't many people on the mountain that morning, and so I actually had the summit by myself. Um, and it was, it was a beautiful day. The wind was quiet. And I just sat down on a rock on the top and just stared in this direction for like five minutes, just trying to take it all in. And then I turned this way, looked this way for about five minutes. Then I looked this way for about five minutes. Then I looked this way for about five minutes. And it, there was just beauty all around. So here's what I saw. A beautiful landscape causes you to look not just ahead, but all around. The tapestry of God's hope can be seen in every direction. So I said hope is looking ahead and seeing the brighter future, but now hope is looking all around, seeing the possibility of a brighter future than the present, desiring it and letting that affect you. Now in scripture, we can look all around for hope. We can look all around for hope. We want to look behind us and in front of us. We can have hope now because looking behind us, hope was born. And looking ahead of us because hope will come. Hope was born. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is for us, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The emphasis uh, of this text, um, for to us a child is born, it, it, it doesn't rest on the to us, but the emphasis in that rests on the 
a child is, is born. Child is born is of human descent. It says to us, a son is given. It's a son of a royal line. He was born of a human, but given from the Lord. And the perfection of this king can be seen in his qualification for ruling, being a wonderful counselor. The perfection of this king can be seen in his person and power, being mighty God. The perfection of this king can be seen in his relationship to those he is over, his everlasting father. And the perfection of this king can be seen in the society that his rule creates, is the prince of peace. Don't just look ahead. Look all around. In Scripture, we look all around for hope because hope was born and his name is Jesus. Hope is looking all around and seeing the possibility of a brighter future than the present. How do we want to tweak that? Hope is looking all around and seeing the certainty of a brighter future than the present, desiring it and letting that affect your today certainty. How do we know that hope will come in the future because hope has already come in Christ? How do we have confidence in the second coming of Christ? It's because of the first coming of Christ, because Christ has already come in his first advent. We have certainty that hope will come because hope has already come. Hope will come as well. This brighter future will come. Ephesians 1:18, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. This is a future hope, a hope that will come. We see it here in Titus as well, in Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and it teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We wait for it. We wait for this, the fullness of this hope. We wait for this future hope. But as we wait for it, what does it say? Say no to ungodliness, worldly passions. Live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Be eager to do what is good, it says at the end. As we wait for Jesus to bring the fullness of hope in the new heavens and the new earth, as we wait, we don't wait passively. We don't simply Wait for it to come, but what does it say? No, we seek to live like Jesus in the world. 
We seek to live godly lives. We seek to be eager to do what is good. As we wait for Jesus to bring the new heavens and the new earth, we seek to join him in bringing heaven to earth now, bringing his love into Greeley, into our community more and more, into your neighbors, into every area where you are. We seek to bring the love of God, bring the hope of God, bring the grace of God. As we wait for this future hope, the fullness of it, we don't wait passively. We seek to bring heaven to earth now, bring God's goodness into the world now. Hope is looking all around, seeing the certainty of a brighter future than the present, desiring it. Sounds a little passive to me. So how about striving after it? Hope is looking all around, seeing the certainty of a brighter future than the present and striving after it. And having that affect your today. God is faithful to us in hope. And that reality ought to cause us to have an ever-growing faith, a faith to the full and to experience hope today. How can we experience hope today? Because hope was born and hope will come and because hope is in you now if you have trusted in Christ. Hope is looking all around, seeing the certainty of a brighter future than the present, striving after it, and having that affect your today? Let's tweak that last one a little bit. How, how do we want to tweak that? Hope is seeing the certainty of the brighter future, striving after it, and being transformed today by the hope that is in you. By the hope that is in you. Colossians chapter 1, 27 says this, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Be transformed today because hope was born in Christ. Hope will come when Jesus brings the new heavens and the new earth. And because hope is in you now through the Spirit of God. And if that can't transform us today, and if that can't change our perspective on tomorrow, what will? We can have hope today because hope was born, hope will come, and hope is in you now. Let's pray. God, we look to you. You are the one who has come and you will come again and you are with us now. Lord, fill us more and more with your hope that we might be transformed today and every day by you, the hope giver. Pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.